Happy Mother's Day. I can't even tell you what it's like to, to watch your son singing up there and talking about the women that have influenced his life. I'm also absolutely blessed with the worship team that came today and, and sang songs that were so meaningful for mothers that a love won't let me down. Moms as waymakers and how moms surrender them all. You know, it's been said that children relate to their mothers differently at different age groups. When you're four, you might think your mom can do anything. By the time you're 12, you're thinking, my mom doesn't know everything. By age 14, you're saying, my mom doesn't know anything. And at age 18, you're saying your mom is so out of step with the times, she's backwards. But at age 25, you're thinking, well, mom might know a few things. At age 35, you're thinking, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. At age 45, you're saying, I wonder what my mom would say about this. And at age 65, you're saying, I wish I could talk to my mom. Just one more time. You know, many preachers use Proverbs 31 for their Mother's Day sermons, and it details the attributes of the perfect wife and the ideal mother. And to be honest, that passage always intimidates me. Thank you, Bria. <laughs> So as I was considering what passage to focus on for 2021 Mother's Day, I looked at a lot of biblical mothers, but many times I returned to one mother who also intimidates me, Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. And I thought, what could I possibly learn from Mary that I could teach to other women and mamas. Birth the Son of God and be blessed for life. Okay, seriously. As I studied the scriptures, I learned so much about Mary as a mama that I think you'll appreciate what lessons that we can learn from her. Now to begin with, we really need to place Mary into the first century social setting. We have to take off our 21st century glasses and what we know of mamas and women today. That's how we're going to learn from Mary. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you chose Mary. You picked her out personally for the position of being the mother of Jesus. You knew what you were asking of her personally, physically, and socially. It was a big ask. But she was highly favored by you, and you were not surprised by her agreement to this radical plan. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will open our hearts today as we learn how to follow the example of Mary as moms. Remove the distractions around us and teach us what you have to say to us today. And Lord, please use me as your servant today. Amen. So in the first century Jerusalem, before Jesus' time, women 
were not allowed to testify in court. They weren't reliable. And among those that were not allowed to testify in court were Gentiles, minors, deaf mutes, and undesirables. Women were not important. Women had no public life. They lived solely in the private family sphere. Even wealthy women couldn't engage in business or commerce, and women were rarely seen outside the home, not even to shop. I don't know how they did it. Women were exempt from the commandment to learn the law of Moses, and therefore most women were illiterate. They could visit the temple, but they were confined to the women's court. So women in first century Jerusalem were separated from men in private, public, and religious life. So now that we understand the role of women in first century Jerusalem, let's begin reading from Luke chapter 1 as we look at point number one, God knows us. In the sixth, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Okay, scripture says Mary was confused and disturbed. Personally, I think I would have been in shock, definitely afraid, and probably very nervous. Okay, actually, I'd be terrified. Would my mind be racing with thoughts, or would I just be petrified in shock? You know, it had been 400 years since the last prophet had spoken in Israel. And then God sent an angel to Mary. Think that through. Women who couldn't testify in court, after 400 years of silence, God's first words were to a woman, a young maiden, sheltered, unknown, ordinary, unimportant. Imagine yourself there in Mary's place. An angel. I don't know how anybody could prepare you for that. But notice that Gabriel called her Mary. He knew her. Did you catch that? An unimportant woman called by her first name she mattered. When, women know, when people know my name, that's a signal to me that they took time to learn something about me, that I mattered to them. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. God knows us. You know, Lord, what I'm going to say even before I say it. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knew Mary. He knew everything about her. He knew everything she would say. He knew every day of her life. God knows us intimately. Stop and think about that. The creator God who formed heaven and earth knows you so well. He knows your name, what you think and what you say. And he loves you and is with you every moment. Now as mothers, we know our children. We know who's daring and wants to be on the roller coaster. We know who's quiet and would rather be in the swan boat. We know who's athletic. We know who's creative. We know who loves to learn. And we know who's a chatterbox. And God knows us. He knows our thoughts, our passions, and our dreams. He knows our strengths and our weaknesses. He knows us so well. So he only gives us what he knows we can handle. So going back to Mary and Joseph, many scholars trace their lineage or their genealogy back to the tribe of Judah. And they were both direct descendants of King David. So God, as he knows Mary, he knew her lineage. He knew her parents. He knew her siblings. He even knew her Aunt Elizabeth. In fact, the angel Gabriel said, you know your Aunt Elizabeth who's been barren for decades? Well, she's six months pregnant. Impossible. But Gabriel gave that special information to Mary. They didn't have texting back then, so an angel did work. Let's read again what the Gabriel said. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. What does the angel mean by you found, you have found favor with God? Now the definition of the word favor is best described as demonstrated delight. I like that meaning. That means that God was pleased with Mary. Now notice that the angel Gabriel did not say beautiful, stunning Mary that's the outside appearance and that's not important to God when we talk about favor we know that when King Saul was first appointed as king he found favor with God but then he was disobedient and he lost favor with God and God sent Saul Samuel secretly to Jesse and his sons to anoint a new king who had found favor with God and so Jesse gathered his sons, and one by one, from the eldest downwards, they came in front of Samuel. And the first one came, and Samuel went, man, this guy is handsome, he's strong, he's tall. This is the one, because that's what Saul was like. And God said to Samuel, I'm not looking at the outside, I'm looking on the inside. And all the sons of Jesse went by, and not one was chosen 
by God. And Samuel thought, well, there's no, more, there's no more sons left. And he said to Jesse, you don't have any more sons? And Jesse said, well, there's David. He's, he's in the back shepherding. And Samuel said, well, we'll wait. Unimportant, ordinary, young, overlooked by his family. David had been left out of the options shepherding in the field. But God chose David because of his heart for God. Not on outward looks. Yet Samuel 16, 12, for Samuel says he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Tall, dark, and handsome girls, what can you say? King Saul lost favor with God because he was disobedient. David loved and was devoted to God and he found favor with God and he became the next king. And Gabriel said to Mary, you have found favor with God. That's how Gabriel praised her. And then he told her, you will be the mother of the Messiah. For Mary to have found favor with God, her heart must have been pure, obedient, devoted, and good. And it would also mean that he was choosing her for a specific task because of her attitude and heart. So both David and Mary found favor with God, and he gave them crazy big assignments. Now, neither would say that their lives were easy or trouble-free. In fact, quite the opposite. But the rewards were great. David led the nation of Israel into a pure relationship with their God. And Mary had the privilege of being the mother to the Christ child, the Savior of the world. Now notice that Mary wasn't a scholar, a prophetess, nothing important. She's just a simple young girl. And yet we see that Mary knew scripture. Despite the fact that literacy was very rare, we see that Mary had been trained in scriptures. And in her song, at the end of Luke, she says, he has helped his servant, Israel, and remembered to be merciful. He has made this promise to his ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary knew God had promised Israel a Messiah. But what if Mary had said no? Well, I personally think God would have found another young maiden, but I believe that because God knew Mary, he knew her heart, her thoughts, her mind, and her devotion and spirit, that he knew her heart would say yes. Despite what she knew would be terrible consequences. God knew that Mary would be faithful, loving, obedient, and strong for the daunting task ahead. God knows us intimately. He knows who will love and cherish the not-so-perfect child, the academically challenged child, the child with severe health needs, 
and the child that only a mother could love. Hear this. God knows the plans for our lives, and he gives us exactly what he knows we can handle. The Bible does tell us of women who were barren. Some of those women experienced miracles late in life, but not most. God knows the mother who has struggled to conceive, to carry, to term, who grieves for the children that she will never have. God has a purpose for you. But if you ask Mary, the path is generally not easy or pain-free. But we must be faithful and obedient to him because in that, there is great victory. Remember that God knows us. He knows us by our first name. And he loves us just the way he created us. So rejoice in this truth today. The second point is that God redeems us. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now traditionally, it's believed she probably would have been 12 years old and her marriage would be happening after her 13th birthday. But I want you to listen to what God is asking of Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For, it is, for the word of God will never fail. And so Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said and everything about me come true. And then the angel left her. All right. Mary's alone now. She's looking at her life and she goes, okay, I'm engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, in Joseph and Mary's time, engagement was marriage in all aspects except physical. So being pregnant before marriage was considered to be adultery. Do not commit adultery was one of the Ten Commandments in the Law of Moses. Sexual sin defiled those who committed it. 
and its seriousness is emphasized by the fact that this sin was punishable by death, both the man and the woman. And in Jewish law, the wife was the husband's possession. Adultery, therefore, was a violation of the husband's exclusive right to her. However, if the husband was willing, he could waive or lessen the punishment of death. However, it's vital that we understand that the marriage bond is considered to be divinely sanctioned and that the law of against adultery comes directly from God. Therefore, adultery offends not only the husband, but God himself. And God knew what he was asking of Mary. God knew Mary and God knew Joseph. God knew that they could handle this dangerous and difficult mission. He trusted them with his precious son to birth him, raise him, to love and nurture him. And Mary knew what could happen to her if she said yes to God. Now I want you to pause and think about, she didn't ask, is there someone else you could tell this to, just like maybe the synagogue leaders or my mom and dad? Like, could you tell a, a group of people so they know I'm not an adulteress? No. She only said, how? Mary believed that nothing was impossible for God. Imagine the faith and devotion to God to just focus on being a servant to God, despite what she knew it would cost her, what it would cost Joseph, and their families, both in the present and the future. This stigma would be attached to Mary, to Joseph, to Jesus, and to all the family. Mary carried the Son of God while being shamed and barely tolerated. She had sinned against Joseph and God. And so while Mary was redeemed by God, probably not by her neighbors. But God also redeemed other women and even placed them in the genealogy of David and Jesus. We see from Matthew chapter 1, when we look at the genealogy of Jesus, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, a prostitute from Jericho. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, a Gentile, a Moabite who was barren. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah, who had been violated by King David. God redeemed all these women. He included them in the family line of King David and finally into Jesus' lineage. God redeemed the unwed mother, the mother who was a sinner, the outcast, and the excluded ones from society, 
as we see in Jesus' genealogy and later in his ministry. God sent his perfect son to the world because he loved the world. But instead of choosing the perfect family and perfect reputation, Jesus bore the scandal of his mother's adultery charge all his life. Not so perfect. But through this scandalous child, the Messiah who redeemed the world was born, raised, and loved. So from this truth comes an important truth for us, that there is nothing we can do that will ever stop God from loving us. And the truth is, Paul in Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God redeems us, too. He sent Jesus to die as our sacrifice, and you can ask him to forgive your sins and become his child today. I also want to encourage you to forgive yourself, mamas, for not being perfect. For the mistakes that you've made, I want you to remember that God loves you and he chose you to be mom. So stop comparing yourself with other women and believe that nothing is impossible for God. He knows you. He chose you, and he will redeem you. Ask for this and believe it. Thirdly, God comforts us. Author and speaker Lisa Bever spoke about her struggles as being the mother of four young boys. She was Italian, she says, and she said it took it was so hard not to scream and yell at her children and to stay sane while they were little. So in desperation, she committed herself to getting up early and having a prayer session with God so that he could anoint her before the day started so she could stay sane and not scream at her kids. However, now that her adult boys are growing up, you know what they remember about their mom? They remember that she was a passionate prayer warrior. Her motives for that prayer time were not important to them. Her rationale for desperately needing God's help to survive the days and nights of being a mom of four active boys, not a big deal. What they remembered, mamas, was that she prayed all the time. Mary knew also the pain of losing a child. Every year, Joseph and Mary would make the trek from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover. Until Jesus turned 12. We all know 13 is the teenage years. I think they thought they had another year. They're traveling back from Jerusalem after Passover to Nazareth with a caravan of probably a couple hundred people. And they didn't see Jesus, but they just figured he was with another family or another group or his friends until they realized, no, he is not in the caravan. So Mary and Joseph headed back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. The scriptures say they searched for three days before they found him in the temple. 
Now, I don't know if you have ever lost a child for a couple minutes. Maybe they fell asleep in a closet. Maybe they kind of wandered away. But those minutes can seem like forever. Now remember, Mary lost Jesus for three days. Terror. Okay, now let's just remember, who's the father? God. Imagine the, the anxiety of losing God's baby. Mary knows pressure and loss. Ladies, we can trust God to comfort us even during the storms of motherhood, the sleep deprivation of babies, the toddler years of destruction, tantrums, and constant falling, the school age years of questions, self-discovery, and knock-knock jokes, and even the teenage years of self-realization, rebellion, attitudes, and sometimes anger. We need to run to our Father and weep in his arms. He will redeem our mother's journey and reveal redeemed memories. God personally chose you for your children, for those that you would influence who do not live under your roof, and for those who need your hugs and encouragement. But having God's favor does not mean we will not grieve or suffer. In chapter 2 of Luke, it reads, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led Simeon to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Well, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband had died when they'd only been married seven years. She lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and praying. 
She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. As events began to unfold around Mary, she had to continually figure out what God was asking of her. Now God had told Mary through Gabriel and had spoken to Joseph in a dream that their son would be the Messiah who would save Israel. And that the temple, God would use the righteous man Simeon and a prophetess, Anna, to confirm what Mary and Joseph had been told. God also took that moment to let Mary know that it wouldn't be easy for Jesus or for her as his mother. He wanted to prepare her for the deep pain she would face later. There would be no surprises. Now, we all know that Mary didn't just struggle with raising her children. She also struggled incredibly. And we mamas can relate to that Mary's pain that's born out of love. So having to survive the labels of disgrace when she was pregnant and a new mother, when she was a mother of a, a beautiful son who just loved people and life but was rejected, she now faced the heart piercing sorrow of a mother who could only watch her son suffer innocently. Mary was with Jesus the week before the Passover of his crucifixion. She saw it all. I can't even imagine how awful that would have been for her. Yet I know that I couldn't have walked away. I know that I could just want to be at the front of that crowd, if only just to get my son's eyes to say, I love you. I believe in you. Mary stood at the foot of Jesus' cross. She wept bitterly and knew the grief, that pain, sorrow in the heart as she lost her son. God understands our loss when we lose a child through death or from sinful choices. God understands our pain when we lose an unborn child in a miscarriage or a late-term death. God knows our heart when we can't or don't conceive, when our wounds are barren and our hearts are brittle, broken, and aching. But I need you to be aware of the impact that you can make in the life of other children. In the song this morning, Jeremy sung about his Aunt Ruth. Ruth was a single woman who had no children. But she was a huge influence in the lives of children in the church. She worked in the church nursery for more than 30 years, giving mamas a break so they could worship loving on those children, those babies. There were many Rosewood youth that she adopted as teenagers and would give them gifts and notes of encouragement. And there were many in the church that she would spend time with and be another mother. And finally, God understands our bitter sorrow when we lose our mothers. There's never a good age to lose your mama. 
My mom passed 20 years ago, and I still miss her. Mama's God understands the burden of being separated from the ones we love so much. So I need you to let God comfort you and Lurleen and family, let God comfort you through this devastating time. Remember how well he knows you. In Psalm 56, the psalmist says, you have kept track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God loves us so much. He knows our hearts, our dreams, our fears, and our pain, and he hasn't forgotten any of it. So trust him to comfort you as he comforted Mary through her awful pain. So today, let's try to be like Mary, just a simple servant of God. Let's believe that nothing is impossible for God, and we need to root that belief in a faith that understands that God is almighty and all-powerful. We can be ordinary, unknown, and maybe even not conventionally beautiful to the world. But to God and our family, we are worth being known and are called by our first names. We are important to his purposes and the lives he has invested us with. So let God comfort you as he comforted Mary. So moms, celebrate the moments that you have right now with your children. Motherhood is amazing, awesome, and such a gift. And please, don't worry away your time with your children. Don't live in self-shame or judgment from others. And know that your beautiful kids need you. Not that perfect mama from Instagram, but you. When my kids were small, I thought I couldn't do it. The days were long and difficult. The length of the childhood years spread out endlessly before me. But you see, now I know that the saying is true. Our kids grow up in a blink of an eye. So mamas, sleep-deprived mamas, one day you will get eight hours of sleep. Maybe not today, or maybe not at the end of daylight savings time, but you will. And mamas, you will stop picking up toys and abandoning clothes. You will be able to go to the bathroom without someone beside you, your friend, or knocking on the door asking, how long are you going to be? In Luke chapter 2, Luke writes, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So let's take a page out of Mary's book and treasure these moments. Think about the good times because they're your gifts. Forgive yourself if you've judged yourself too harshly. Time will heal your hurts. Look to the child now who needs you and be their other mother. Personally, I believe that Mary would have kept a gratitude journal if she had the ability to read and write. But instead, she committed the things she was grateful to and blessed with and wrote them on her heart, referring to them often. Being grateful and writing it down is one way that we can remember that God is in charge and we can resist the devil. So as Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Talk to God about everything Thank him for what you have and ask him for what you need. So as you consider your role today as mama, other mama, auntie, grandmother, reflect on what was said by the kids in the videos today. 
Consider what they found to be important. My mom made the best food. My mom reads with me. My mom plays with me. My mom is my best friend. So in closing, in honor of our friends who would like to have children but cannot, for those who have lost children, and for those who are in the middle of an incredibly challenging season of motherhood, let's not forget that motherhood is an enormous blessing and something that should not be taken for granted. Even on the hardest days, there are amazingly wonderful gifts to be cherished. So on this Mother's Day, my wish is that you and I are grateful for this incredible love and gifts that come with being a mama. God bless you, mamas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you know us, that you love us, that you redeem us, and that you comfort us. And Father, I pray that you will help us to be mamas that find favor with you. I pray, Father, for the mothers of babies and small children who desperately need a nap or eight hours of sleep. Comfort them, Lord. Redeem them. I pray, Father, for the mothers that have teenagers and young adults and are learning a different stage of motherhood, of letting go and letting them become who we've raised them to be. And Father, for those mamas that have lost a child, to have lost the ability to have or raise a child, or have broken relationships with their child, Father, we pray that you will comfort them and redeem their love. And Father, for the mamas who have died too early, we pray, Father, that you will remind us with memories today of the ways they influenced and loved us through our lives. But most importantly, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be mothers, grandmothers, and important and influential mother figures in the lives of children, youth, and adults of all ages. Bless us today, Lord, as we celebrate mothers. Amen. <laughs>